welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. And on, yeah, Spirit of 2016, I was got Euro 2020, 2021, and 2016 all three years in the head there uh, and got very mixed up. But we're not going to start again. We're going to crack on. Uh, it is the Euro 2020 uh, preview, review of the groups, preview of the knockouts, whatever. Listen, we're going to talk about what happened last week. We're going to talk about what happened this week. Uh, and joining me, Andy Bell, I have a panel of, of just three today. Which will mean we can we can talk nonsense for even longer than what we usually do, uh, and to do so with me. First of all, I've got Lauren McCann in Belfast. Uh, Lauren, how are you? I'm all good, thanks. Excellent, uh, short and sweet. And uh, yeah, uh, do you know what? I always do this. I always like um, do a big introduction for somebody, like kind of come on to the second person, give a bit of an introduction, and then the third person, I just ask them a question, and no, like nobody knows who they are. So we've got Dave Dunning also in Belfast. We're all in Belfast, all in. Uh, all in Northern Ireland this week. Oh, um, you're in Belfast? Okay. Well, Belfast, oh, Bangoria. Yeah. Where you're coming tomorrow night. He's not from the big, yeah, he's not from the big smoke, Lauren. No, no, no. indeed. Not from the heart of it. He's, yeah, he's one of those, those provincial towns. Well, dare I mention the Gold Coast, but Dave, how are you anyway? Good <laughs> sex, mate. Yes, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I was on that godforsaken. Gonna say, just enjoy your boots. <laughs> no, no, you know what? It was really, really, really cold. Um, I just stuck a shorts and t-shirt on didn't even consider that um, and it was absolutely freezing so it was frozen for about nine hours um, really hard not to just scran everything on that boat you know what I mean because you're doing nothing and it's really just kind of boredom eating so I tried really hard not to spend loads of money on food um, was semi-successful had a brownie had a hot chocolate all that but yeah um anyway yeah Dave how was your day I remember you saying last night you got like a horrible day on the horizon so I don't maybe that was just coming on here I don't know but did you get through it no I had a just a horrible day in work we're like about seven minutes of breaks just throughout the day right. because my my diary was just absolutely back to back and it was awful um and it was pretty much today until miraculously two hours just fell out of it and it was like a gift from the gods that dropped into my lap when I logged on this morning at eight o'clock so I'm feeling in really good form um so yeah it's the weekend and there's football on after two days of no football I know well we've got four days straight of two games I know yeah, it's going to be lovely. Class. Um, right, listen, let's have a quick review of the group stages, or let's have a, just have a quick chat. First question, I guess, I told you I would come to you on, uh, was your, like, what's your favourite game of the Euros? So have a think about that. Uh, it doesn't have to be the best game, doesn't have to be the most entertaining game. It can be for a reason personal to you, somewhere you were watching it, someone you were watching it with, or something that happened that you just enjoyed. So Lauren, what is your favourite game, and why is it Slovakia nil, Spain 5? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, or maybe I sat down a random, was it like a Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon and watched Ukraine, North Macedonia, and I loved it. It was a class game. The one, because North Macedonia came Macedonia back into were it. were fun? Yeah, and Ukraine were really fun as well. Like the first half, I thought they were going to run away with it, and then Macedonia got the penalty, and then you're like, oh, are they going to come back? And then Ukraine scored a third, but I really enjoyed it for a random two o'clock game. Like it was a wee treat, because normally they're a bit, mm, they're hit and miss at that time, but it was yeah. it was my favorite one. They're very much you have a very much schedule them with the thing in mind that loads of people are at work and not going to bother with this. And you know you had some good two pm games on at the weekend, and then it was like well Finland, Russia, Ukraine, um, Ukraine, Macedonia, wasn't it? She just said yeah. I remember like I was uh, the school I work in. It's dead hard to get the kids to do work. So yeah, I, I was proper bribing them all week. I was like right. 
smash out the work for 20 minutes. We can stick the football on. Um, got very badly told off by, by a senior leader, but that's not for this podcast. Dave, what was your favourite game of the Euros? Or, of yeah, of the Euros of the group stages? Uh, the second half of Poland, Sweden, the other night was absolutely... I was watching the other game. Oh, it was belter crack. It was mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. But actually, I think... For a couple of reasons, Denmark four, Russia one was great. I missed that as well. I was watching the other game. I've watched all the wrong games of the ones who've been on at the same time. I've got lucky the other way around, but that was brilliant. It's just such a nice story, you know. I don't imagine what some of those players have gone through, and they were out there and in front of a home crowd as well, and it looked brilliant and it sounded brilliant, and the fans were all up for it, and the players just got swept along with the moment and. You know, when they're when they're on the at the center circle and they scored brilliant goals. And yeah. one of those periods Christmas and this, one yeah. and there's eel going everywhere behind the goal and it's a yeah, know. it was and it was, it was that a period in the a period in the in the second half where it was like just it very seldom happens in football, but when teams are attacking, you're just like every time they're every time they get in the box, they're gonna score. And yeah. they did. And it's like next time they're gonna score and they did, because there was just this like weight of momentum behind them mm-hmm. so yeah really enjoyed that really enjoyed them all trying to look at live score to see if it qualified it's or not the that, center yeah. circle and yeah. couldn't get any signal which was absolutely <laughs> brilliant and also because i had low-key thought russia were going to be absolutely brutal and mm-hmm. they were so yeah. loved it brilliant good stuff yeah well we will come on to talk about uh, some of our predictions and have a look back at um who made the biggest tit of themselves. Spoiler alert, it was Pete. He predicted Turkey to top the group. <laughs> but um, yeah, Lauren, I mean, that, that, that's an interesting point Dave makes there. I think for me, the games I've enjoyed most, and it's an obvious thing to say, and everyone's been saying it for uh, months and months and months now, are the ones where there's been a, a big crowd at them. Um, if you can separate what's going on in Hungary at the moment with what's actually happening on the pitch, if you can park the fascism for a minute, then uh, you're actually able to watch it and, and really enjoy it. And it was a brilliant atmosphere. I particularly enjoyed that reporter being absolutely terrified that she was just going to get murdered <laughs> in that celebration. Uh, I mean, yeah, Hungary were good fun. We'd, we'd be able to talk about some of the some of the teams that, that haven't gone through because there's only eight of them. You've mentioned Macedonia, but, but Hungary were good fun as well. And in general, you know, it's, it's, it's great that we're, I think, what well, Wembley's going to be two-thirds full at some point. Um, I personally moved the whole thing to Budapest, but... Uh, that's just me. I mean, it's 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 just been really enjoyable, to be honest, hasn't it? After what seemed like, maybe because we're all Liverpool supporters, but a slog of a club season. Definitely. The Budapest games were just class. Like, I love that arena as it is. I just think it's such a nice stadium. And just, even though they're the fascist black T-shirts behind the goal, it was just so many of them. It was just like a sight to behold because there has everywhere else is so social distance. And then behind the goal and they're all running when the players run to the fans and all, you're like, wow, like I forgot this is what football actually was like before all these times. But yeah, and Hungary, I think they thrived off that as well, having that support, you know, against France the, when they scored that goal and that oh, reporter. <laughs> but yeah. that was, and even against Germany, I know it was in Munich, but even the scenes there, mm-hmm. they were going crazy. But I loved how yeah. all the German fans were socially distanced and then they were just <laughs> yeah. all packed together behind the goal. Like, how does that yeah. work? <laughs> yeah. But it but was, yeah. yeah, it was it, it was brilliant. That game was particularly enjoyable. Um, obviously, France-Portugal is on at the same time. I've very much 
um, based what game I was watching around who was in the fantasy team, to be honest. I just thought, like, there's def- there's a right answer here, and then there's a fantasy nerd answer. And what am I actually going to enjoy more? It was watching the players in my fantasy team. So I watched that Germany-Hungary game. But, they yeah, they 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 looked very desperate, which we will come on to talk about. That's going to be the first game we talk about of the round of 16 ties, England-Germany. Uh, but Dave, maybe a quick shout for Scotland, um, because they were an interesting one, obviously. Had a, had a very good performance against England, completely nullified them. It wasn't even really backs to the wall. They had a couple of chances themselves. Can't really remember too many big chances England had. The Stones hit the post from a corner, um, but they weren't really able to penetrate them. And, you know, Steve Clark, we've seen it with his teams over and over. He was assistant manager to Kenny Dalglish at Liverpool when we seemed to hit the post and hit the bar all season, but didn't really concede that many goals. I think we had the best defence in the league. Had a very strong defence at West Brom and Kilmarnock, but ultimately um, probably doesn't have, he probably isn't the best manager to go and get the win that you need against Czech Republic or Croatia. Yeah, maybe not, but I think they're unlucky, to be honest. I think against the Czechs, they play pretty well. Yeah. Um, and what, they did these 2 nil. In the end, yeah, they lost two. They don't even they don't even get yeah. one. No, they don't. They, yeah, they, yeah, they only score the one goal. Um, England again, they probably deserved to win that game on the balance play mm-hmm. and the balance chances. Like nil nil, you would say was maybe a fair result. But if if you had to, you know, if it was going to points in a boxing game, mm-hmm. they they scraped it. And then again, you know, they looked good against against Croatia until the quality just really told in the end. And listen, Modric just took over. Let's mm. be honest. They don't have a player of that standard. And I think I could kind of empathise with the Scots because they look decent at the back. Um, mm-hmm. a, a few silly errors, but, you know, the two lads up front, they're not great, are they? Dykes. Like, I thought Adams they, looked good from what I saw. Adams but, yeah. looked all right, but he never looked like he was going to stick it in the net. No. You know, and Dykes certainly didn't look like he was going to stick it in the net. No. And then, you know, I think he, what, he's missing Tierney for the first game. That doesn't help. You know, Gilmore then, he brings him in and, oh, maybe he should have done that in the first game. But then, you know, he's, he's, um, he tests positive for coronavirus for the, the Croatia game. And that really doesn't help them either. So I kind of feel for them a little bit because I think they probably deserved a lot more than one point on the basis of their performances. Mm-hmm. So unlucky. Nice try. Better luck next time. Still haven't got past the group stages. Yeah, I, I, I saw a stat the other day that like um, Northern Ireland have, have been to four tournaments and progressed through the group stages three times. Wales, I think, is something similar. I think it's maybe five and, and three times. And then Scotland have been to 11 tournaments and never never got past the group stages. So, which Just is... Don't have a, it in them. Just don't have it a in them. A mental stat, yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe Lord, it is a, maybe it's mental yeah, no, well, yeah, literally, yeah, psychological, no, hundred percent. And and Lauren, it was, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed watching them. I think it would have been obviously, well, it would have been way better if 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 Hamden was full and maybe would have made an impact on the results. I think in that first game against the Czech Republic, they're they look for all the world like they're going to get an equalizer until that complete freak of a goal happens from from Patrick Schick, and then after that, even then, they still looked like they were going to get a goal, but. I was thinking about this the other day um, and, you know, they've qualified kind of through the back door um, with winning, uh, you know, a playoff in, in League C. They haven't even had that many great results. They didn't do well in Euro 2020 qualifying. They didn't do particularly well. Um, I think they, did they get past Israel on penalties in the semi-final? 
you know, which is, yeah, and I think they drew with Israel then in these qualifiers. So they looked to me, what I was thinking was, they don't look like a team that I would bet on them qualifying for an awful lot of tournaments because to qualify for tournaments, you don't qualify for tournaments by getting a nil-nil away to England or getting a point off the top seed in your group. You qualify for tournaments by regularly beating your Macedonias, your Faroe Islands, your Luxembourgs. And I think Scotland under that manager maybe going to come a little bit unstuck against those teams and not beat them with the regularity that, say, a Michael O'Neill Northern Ireland ended up doing. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think I read something like it's two wins in their last 10 games. And when you look at their fixtures, it hasn't been that hard. And they're off the pace already for the Qatar qualifying. So, yeah, I do agree. And even when you were watching them, you know, the chance, they created good chances. But, you know, if you if you can't put the ball in the net, like it's some of the chances mm-hmm. they created, Mike's and Adams, you know, if you don't take them, then you're going to get punished in a major tournament. And I think they do just lack similar way to Northern Ireland, somebody up front who's actually regularly putting the ball in the net. And I think there was some cause for Nesbitt to be further involved because he yeah. obviously had a really good season um, in with him. So I think because then loads of people started looking ahead. To, Is this the start of something for Scotland? And I think bringing him through and the likes of as Ben's been calling for, Nathan Patterson coming through as well. And you know, Grant Huntley, I think he needs to be phased out now. Like, I, I think I think he's done I with couldn't it. believe I just, he was still playing. Like, yeah, I, not even just playing, just starting. Yeah. Like, first game, I was like, what? Seriously? But, yeah, and I think their goalkeeper situation needs to be addressed as well. So they have some positives to look forward to, but at the same time, there's a lot of work still to be done. And as you say, Steve Clark, he's not known for expansive football, so it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see. Whether I think the Euros is probably their next best best bet of qualifying for a tournament. I don't see them qualifying for Qatar. Yeah, um, do you know what's really funny? I forgot to press record on Zoom, um, so uh, I I should be able to piece this together by screen recording what we have on Facebook. Well, we've been live on Facebook the whole time, but uh, don't don't you even make a cheeky comment, Dave? Because I know you've done this. <laughs> I know you've done this before on your own. So yeah, uh, but you know what's funny about it is we literally talked about it happening last night. I know, like twenty four hours ago, we talked about this exact thing happening. <laughs> well, what more I can do if if I haven't managed to, <laughs> if I haven't managed to piece this together, which I should be able to do. I should be able to stick a screen record that just stick it into Audacity. I have no idea what the sound's going to sound like, but if you are just picking up the podcast now, I've just done a big chat about Scotland, uh, about some of the other teams that have, that have gone out and the group stages in general. Um, and we are now going to come on to talk about the round of 16 ties, which maybe is just all everyone's interested in. I mean, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So uh, so listen, let's let's go on to talk about it. The first big one, I guess, is, uh, is England-Germany. Uh, Lauren, I was saying on the podcast the other day, like it's a, it, they're just a nerd stream, aren't they, Germany? It's three false nines, wing backs pushing high up the pitch, triangles all over the show. You know, everyone kind of who studies the game loves them. But, you know, they came unstuck up against Hungary, who matched them 3-5-2. Um, you know, the wing backs were able to track them compared to like a Bernardo Silva or a Jota or a Rafa Silva, who maybe weren't as keen to completely sacrifice themselves for the team in that first game. Uh, or so, sorry, the second game, the, the Portugal versus Germany one. Um, so if you're Gareth Southgate, I don't mean to make this all about England or look at it from an England perspective because none of us want England to win. Um, maybe some people in uh, some of the listeners do, I don't know. But what would you do? Would you change the formation to, to kind of nullify Germany and kind of play into that whole pragmatic, conservative English style of play? Or would you kind of stick with what's worked so far? Because to be fair, they've looked, if nothing else, fairly solid defensively. 
I think they should stick to what they have done so far, but I don't see it. I think Southgate will still probably think England haven't really hit top gear yet and they're not in the position to blow teams away, especially in the last 16. If he goes a back four and those wing-backs bomb forward like they did against Portugal, I think he'll look at that and proceed with caution because with Germany as well, they're such an unknown quantity still. You know, they've produced a performance against Portugal, great, and then against Hungary, they're shaky at the back. So I think if he goes to five at the back, I think he'll probably play Walker and Reese James. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you're probably nullifying Gossens down the left because those two are so solid defensively. And then it's a question of who does he bring in for kind of attack and flair up front. He'd probably stay with Kane and Sterling and then mm-hmm. he might stick in somebody like Rashford because he I would thought, probably be more, dis- more disciplined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think he will go pragmatic again because I think when watched, you know, or having learnt from Russia in 2018 when England were kind of conservative and they didn't blow teams away, but they still got to the semi-finals. I think he's going to t- kind of take that approach again, especially if they get past Germany, you know, it's the Netherlands and maybe they're kind of the same level to England. You don't know what to expect, mm-hmm. but the draw is relatively kind again. So I think once they get past Germany, then they can start to dream a wee bit more of getting further. But I think all the focus is not a fan Germany's frat and then maybe trying to nick a set piece, something like they did in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it probably is going to be decided on a set piece, a mistake, a moment of magic. I think, you know, Dave, you look at somebody like Thomas Muller in that Germany side who isn't really good at nothing apart from being in the right place at the right time and scoring big goals. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a weird a good one thing, thing to be good at, mind you. It, it is a very good thing to be good at. It's quite similar to Jota, yeah. Um, but one thing I was kind of thinking, I was having to think about what I would do if I was Southgate, and it is tempting to go 3-5-2, but it is ultimately admitting that you're the lesser team and that you're, you know, inferior. And ultimately, you know, they're they're at home, they're at Wembley, and they've got the, they've got the home support behind them. And it's not really the best Germany team we've ever seen, to say the least. Certainly not the best Germany team you've ever seen. But um, it's... <laughs> Yeah, one thing I was thinking was, could he go kind of four three three again and play somebody like Saka, who has kind of right back tendencies, and could maybe track Gussens on the on the right hand side and provide a bit of attacking threat going forward, rather than just going for like two, as Lawrence says, conservative wing backs, like Reese James, Kyle Walker, even Luke Shaw doesn't get forward that much, or certainly he's 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 more of a defensive fullback from what I've seen, and we've seen him in the Premier League nullify um some pretty good attacking players, so. Yeah, I, I guess what, what would your what would your setup be if you were in the manager, and what do you think Southgate will do? If I was in the manager, my setup would be as far removed from what Gareth Southgate's setup is as you could imagine. Honestly, they have so much quality in that squad that is completely underutilized. Um, you know, I think Southgate's. He's upset. This is the these are the games now that he has he's absolutely obsessed with. Mm-hmm. He's obsessed with what England do against a good team. He knows they can beat the weaker sides. They've done it in qualifying. I suppose the question is, does he go back three? Because I think we I think I think we're pretty sure a back three is actually his preferred setup with the wing backs, yeah. the two holding midfielders, and then what the three guys ahead. I think if Maguire's fit from the start, that's probably what you see from the start. Yeah, and I think it's probably a sensible thing to do. I think you match, I think you match them up with the wing backs. I think you have the three centre halves there to deal to try and deal with that sort of movement. Maybe have one of them dropping a little bit, not worry so much about the offside, but making sure that that space in behind isn't found. 
and he'll play the two holders in front, and then it's you know it's probably Foden starting Kane, isn't it? So protect. Well, so you think he'll go like five, two, three? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. That's interesting because with the three German false nines dropping back and kind of creating a huge numerical advantage in there, albeit it is two good holding midfielders, and it's kind of what they're in there for. You could see just like Chris and Gnabry, Kimmich, uh, or not well, Kimmich, yeah, even Kimmich dropping in from the right hand side. You could see a real. I think he, I think he might go three five two, but you think he'll go still with a three up top. I think he might. I think he might. I'd, it's it's difficult to know. Is it Mount that comes in then as the third mid man in the midfield? Mm-hmm. I know who it won't be. It won't be Jack Grealish. It won't be Grealish. Yeah, it won't be Grealish. For whatever reason, I do not know. Mm-hmm. If he was playing for Manchester United, far too exciting. Well, if he was playing for Manchester United, it probably would be Jack Grealish. Mm-hmm. But it's the same way as Letizia didn't get played for England ever, even though he was literally the most talented player in the country, by far the most talented player in the country. I remember before. I think it was before. Was it was it Hoddle before he picked? Oh, I can't remember who it was, but it was a, it was in England. They used to play B internationals. Mm-hmm. You, do you remember that? No, of course no. you don't remember this. So you used to play B International. So it's, like it's like an England reserve team, basically, an England B team against some other side. Yeah. And Letizia played in that game. All kind of the fringe players that, you know, you weren't sure who was going to get in the squad or not. Letizia plays the game, captains the team, I think, scores a hat trick and doesn't get selected. I think I've heard this, yeah. So I remember something similar with Chris Sutton as well. Not sure about Chris Sutton. Okay, maybe possibly, possibly, no, it possibly could, possibly could have been something, but that was definitely Letizia, and he's exactly the sort of player Grealish was, mm-hmm. player who could just, just open a game up, just commit players, create space just by his movement, just by his running. You saw what he did; he creates the best chance that England have had. They've had five shots on target in the entire tournament, mm-hmm. and it's Grealish that just creates space for himself. Dinks a beautiful ball with his left foot to the back post, but we, but he'll not play. So what am no, I talking about? Not a chance. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Oh, if anything, I just think it's going to be a terrible watch. It's going to be a terrible mm. watch. Okay. Um, I think it'll be an absolute bore fest. Um, I I don't really know. I honestly don't really know what to tell you about this England side that hasn't already been said. I just don't think they're very good. I think they're underutilized. I think they're back. I think. Stones actually, I think, look really, really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that can't, so that can't last. No, All right, no, it can't last. <laughs> I heard Barry Glendinning the other day going, looking, looking down the back four, and he's going, "Well, Harry Maguire, there's a mistake in him. Jordan Pickford, there's a mistake in him. Tyrone Mings, there's a mistake in him. John Stones, there's a mistake in him." And he's right. Yeah, and it's gonna happen sooner or later. So yeah, but if they are in a back three together with conservative wing backs then a mistake there's somebody next to them to kind of mop it up and that's the Maybe idea so. of a back three that's kind of what we've seen with with Northern Ireland recently as well yeah uh, Lauren what do you do you have any theory on what it is with Grealish what it is he, do, he doesn't like about him because he doesn't like him as a fella like I remember there was was it in the Nations League back in September October November like he was asked oh, oh yeah Jack Grealish played well tonight Gareth didn't he and he's like oh well I thought Mason Mount played well I thought Connor Cody did well it's like well, what is your problem with just saying, yeah, no, he did well, he's sticking a place? Like, is, is it something stylistically that you've noticed? I have no idea what it is because to me, he looks like one of England's best players. I was saying midway through the season, they should build their team around him. He goes and gets injured, kind of recency bias plays into it as well, doesn't it? But yeah, any theories on that one? I don't or know. Because even. Full? 
yeah because even if you say his work rate when you see him for Villa like he does work back and I would argue probably does more so than Fulton and if you're going in a game against Germany I think you need somebody who's willing to go back but at the same time you know he as Dave said he commits players he wins the fouls that maybe they need around the center circle if they're kind of under relentless pressure and then building you know it's a set piece that England would need probably to get a goal against Germany and that would he brings them on so I really don't know what it is because you know when Jack Reedish first broke through I was kind of like does he do enough but he's added goals and assists to his game as well as just being that direct runner and as Dave said he creates chances it's not just he's you know everybody loves his step overs and committing players so I really don't know what it is I think he has to stick somebody like him or Shaq in there because they're just so pacey and they just want to get at players and you know, Fulton kind of drifts in and out of the game. You know, he has a moment of magic, but I don't think he's consistently involved. Whereas Grealish and Saka, when they're on the ball, you know, they're running at players or they're defensively getting back. So I don't know what it is either. I struggle to see why he doesn't pick him. So I think, yeah, it's more of a case he's a fan. Yeah, we, <laughs> we could be here all night if we were to uh, to try and understand the inner workings of, of Gareth Southgate's brain. Uh, but here, listen, here are our predictions for this game then. Uh, so all fairly tight. I'm going for a nil-nil draw. Uh, these, so the, just for the, the sake of our predictions league uh, and gathering the points, these are the scores after 90 minutes and then I've put a star beside what team we think will progress if it's a draw. So that can be on extra time. That can be in penalties. It doesn't matter. So I think nil-nil after 90 minutes. I actually do think Germany will go through on penalties. Uh, Dave, you've gone one all and England to go through. I assume that's not on penalties. I think it is on penalties. I'm oh not sure. Days. I think I might have been trying to do that reverse psychology thing where you're yeah. so bad at predicting stuff where you, if you predict what you don't want to happen to happen, then what you will want to happen will happen. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what I've done subconsciously. Okay. I, I, honestly, I, I really don't know. There's two, there's two, there's two ties in, in this last 16 that I just have absolutely no idea what is going to happen. And it's simply because I think it's two sides that aren't very good playing each other. And, and this is one of those games. So that's, it's a bit bingo balls, you know, it's a yeah. bit kind of rabbit out of a hat, something daft's maybe going to happen. Um, I can't see there being more than two goals in the game. Like if, if I'm looking at that, if I, like if I'm a bet man, what's that bet under 2.5 goals? I think that's, probably the bet for this game on saying that I hope Lauren's right yeah Lauren has gone for 2-1 to Germany uh, Ben has gone England to Germany to Germany to go through and Pete's gone 2-0 England um, so yeah good thing he's not on the podcast so we can't rip him apart from that um, okay let's go on to the next game so Saturday 8pm in London we have Italy against Austria uh, apologies like for the really dull graphics here just two pictures from the Euros plus a stadium they're playing in. I mean, it is a step up on uh, GB News' launch night. Uh, oh, you enjoy that one, Dave. Yeah. Um, so everyone's gone for a fairly comfortable Italy win. I, I think 2-0. Uh, Lauren, Dave both think 3-0. Ben thinks 3-1 Italy. And Pete thinks 2-0. Um, and Dave, I know you're busting to get in here. So yeah, talk about what you've seen from the Italians because we haven't actually had you on since the, 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 uh, the preview for the Euros. Uh, since then, they've scored seven, conceded zero, looked amazing, been amazing to watch. The anthem's great, the atmosphere's great, the players are great, and everything that you kind of predicted has so far come true. Yeah, it's it's funny. Because it's like, I'm going to be really honest, there's probably, Italy and England are really the only two teams that I really know. And 
level of detail about in the tournament. The rest I'm kind of picking up as you go, as much as the next person, do you know what I mean? But I think what you've seen from Italy is they are they're contemporary. They are a side that are playing in the now. They look like a team that could walk into the Premier League and comfortably attain a top four position, which is very rare in international football. You saw it with Spain when they won the three titles back to back. They were the guys at the forefront. They were the guys that were playing the modern football. Absolutely blowing sides away and when they weren't blowing sides away they were able to grind them down they were able to kill them with possession they were able to score last minute goals um, and win games from nothing um, and they weren't even able they weren't didn't even allow teams to bully them like Holland tried to do bizarrely in, in that World Cup final and I've seen the same thing from Italy they look like a club side you know it's really really strange they look so cohesive I think the most impressive thing from this side is you've seen Florenzi's dropped out injured. Didn't make it didn't make a bit of difference. Ferrati, who came in to the Wales game, looked absolutely the best player on the pitch and one of the best midfielders in the world. Didn't miss him in yes. the first two games at all. You know. Um You were on then, you were on saying about Locatelli being the sixth or seventh choice midfielder and coming in looking good. And then you've got Piscina who's behind him in this pecking order comes in and looked really good as well. Nearly yeah. two goals. 100%. And I think what you ha- and I think the other thing you've seen is you've seen the goal celebrations. Yeah. They, all, they don't run to the players in the picks. They run to the players on the bench. They were buzzing it, for him, weren't they? Absolutely. It just it looks like such a cohesive group. It looks like a proper... We've talked about it with what Michael O'Neill um, created with Northern Ireland. That club mentality, that club NI. And it looks like Mancini has done something similar. But what he's done is he's taken all of his experience from managing club sides, all of his experience from creating a group environment, from coaching and training those guys over a period of time. This team's three years in the making. Do you know? It's three years in the making. I think they're absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, and like I say, they're, a modern, they're, a, they're the one true modern football side in this tournament. Spain are still playing football from... The, from you know, 10 years ago, they're still playing that same style of football. It's Enrique, of course he is. Germany are still trying to do what they did when they won the World Cup, but with different players and a few old ones hammed in there to try and draw from that. Sweden are still playing football from 1984. Do you know? I was saying you about last night, they definitely, they have the same team for the last 10 years. They're the exact same players. That fella Ekdal, I've seen him in every World Cup since I've been alive. Klassen, Seb Larson still playing for them. What's going on the, there? Who's the goalkeeper? It's probably still Thomas Rivelli. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know? But this this team again, France, France, France are brilliant. France have loads of brilliant players, but I don't yeah. think they've evolved from from the World Cup. I think they're basically the same side mm-hmm. plus Benzema. So for me, Italy, they're they're the true contemporary modern team in this tournament. Um, and I just think it's absolutely incredible that Mancini has been able to build that with the limited amount of training time you get with the players on international breaks. 
Yeah, absolutely. They, they, as, as Dave said, I, something I, I was thinking, Lauren, when I was watching them was like, this looks like a team that's been together for eight or nine years, which is mad because it isn't. There's so many young players coming through. It's very Well, there, there's some players playing together at club level. I think Sassoulou is probably the most represented club in that squad. You've got like Berardi and Locatelli, I think, both play for them. I think there's somebody else who goes on. Rastadori, the, yeah. the, the wild card, the, the Scalazzi, if you will, mm-hmm. who was called up last minute. Yeah, down and with praise there, but yeah, and I, I know what you mean, but but Lauren, yeah, it's uh, they they. I mean, I guess we can kind of talk about this. I don't know if you're predicting this, but I think that Italy and France are gonna be in the semi final together. We've all predicted Italy to go through. Everyone's kind of predicted France to go through uh, this round of sixteen tie. We're not gonna focus too much on France Switzerland because you know France are gonna win it, and Switzerland are probably gonna suck as much fun out of it as possible. Um, but. If they do come up against each other in a semi uh, in a semi final, listen, Italy will have to get through Belgium or Portugal first. That's not an easy game at all. That could be decided on an accidental on a moment. But for me, Italy France look like the only team who can stop Italy right now. And if those two were to come up against each other, who would you favour in that scenario? I mean, I think maybe France just have a little bit more quality in attack uh, in terms of the fact that maybe a Berardi wouldn't get in a France side, albeit he's been very good so far. Do you ever think you have him in your team of the the group stages? But even like the fullbacks, you know, as good as Spinazzola and as uh, De Lorenzo have been, you, know, you look at Pavard and Hernandez, serial winners, serial winners at club level. Do you think France could potentially be the only team to stop Italy in this uh, in this tournament? I think it would probably be shades of France-Belgium in the last World Cup. You know, France just about edged out. I think it would kind of be a similar game, whereas Belgium were probably the more exciting team. France kind of ground them down. and But at the same time, you know, I haven't been that impressed with the likes of Hernandez has been injured, so Dina's come in, and I haven't think he's been that great. Pavard, I'm still a bit unsure about him. So I think Italy, because they're so cohesive, they probably could cause an upset, but I don't think they would steamroll France the way they they probably could do to a Portugal or a Belgium, whose defence is a lot more shakier than what France's have been. And you know, France maybe have that experience that might lend its lend itself when you're at that stage of the tournament. You know, they've beaten Belgium, ground, ground out the win. And yeah, I think it would be only France I could see stopping them. I think if Italy make it to the final, they're going to win it. I think whoever on that set, on this side of the draw, I think is going to win it. Um, it's going to come from this side. But touching on what Dave said, you know, I think Italy look like an Atalanta or like a Sassuolo, just their expansive style of football. And it's so rare to see it international football that you wonder maybe if they did come up against the France and played that way, could France cope with that? Because they're not really used to aside coming out and having to go with them you know they're not going to get that with Switzerland and then in the next round they're probably not going to get it so it'll be a really interesting tie if it comes to that and I don't know I don't know if I could call it yet <laughs> yeah just no. the fence. completely fair well we'll have a podcast before that potential game anyway and um, let's have a look at one more set of predictions before we go into a, uh, a quiz in fact you know we'll leave one good one uh, for the end so let's maybe have a quick chat about Croatia Spain I'll stick with you Lauren because I know you've you've done a lot of reading around this Spain side and you've got uh, a lot of opinions on on the way they're playing and uh, when we last spoke they had drawn with uh, Sweden and Poland needed a win against Slovakia and and to be fair got it uh, with a relative amount of ease I mean Slovakia were were dreadful I'm, I, I know you put in our group chat the other day uh, Ali McCoist may not be uh, taking too much pleasure in Slovakia, how bad they are, but I certainly am. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's. Do you think there's was there anything in that game which even slightly made you think, okay, maybe something's clicking, maybe something's changing, or do you think that was all Slovakia being dreadful? 
No, I think there was Spain did play a bit better from what I've when you know Pablo Sarabia came in. I was a bit unsure about him because he hasn't really played at club level, and then I didn't really know what he was going to offer. You know, I didn't really think he was much of a winger, and that the media in Spain have been clamouring just to see Adama on the pitch. You know, Chore just to bring something different because Spain just looks so stale up front, and you know they didn't start the game very well, very passive, and then. Rada misses the penalty. I think they've missed five penalties in a row now. And you're thinking, you know, this is just Spain. All I was hoping again. one of my defenders in my fantasy team were going to step up and take one. <laughs> yeah. And I think obviously they were aided by Dubravka. But from there, you know, they were honest. in the second half. I thought every time they went forward, they were going to score. And, you know, Ferran Torres comes on and scores. And then Paul Torres comes on and, well, causes the own goal. So it was a really bizarre game. But, you know, I think they did show enough quality to win it. And I I fancy them against Croatia. I don't know why. I, I don't. I just don't really rate Croatia that much. I know Spain aren't much better at the minute. And I think it'll be a tense one. But I, I like Marek Laporte at the back. And I think I prefer Pau Torres beside him than Eric Garcia. I don't really know what he offers. And I think having Busquets back in midfield really helps. You know, if he sits, then you can maybe play Pedri can push forward a bit more and so can Koke and then you have Jordi Alba who just you know he ages like fine wine he's just been amazing so far creating the chances and Azbilicueta on the other side finally comes into the side and does really well and I think you know if they have that solid back four they might not be the most spectacular side to watch but because of the side of the draw that they're on you know I think they could make it to the quarterfinals and I said to my brother that would be good for them and he laughed at me saying you know Spain to be at least reaching the semi-finals, but with yeah. the squad they have and what they've shown so far, I think quarterfinals would be, you know, quite a good, a good finish for them. Yeah, they look quite. I think we've said this on uh, on the podcast loads of times that they're quite poor in both boxes, albeit um, uh, they, you know, they, they scored the five goals against Slovakia. And to be fair, at times structurally they look quite good defensively, but individually, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, inevitably teams, especially good teams coming up against potentially France in a quarterfinal, um, inevitably teams like that are gonna get moments, are gonna get in attacking positions and they're gonna test you defensively and you can have all the positional play in the world, but you're you're gonna have to kind of dig in and uh, like in the same way that Italy do it so brilliantly. I'm not sure Spain quite have that in them. Uh, but let's have a look at our predictions. So four of us have gone for a draw after 90 minutes. Lauren, you've gone for a 1-0 Spain win. Uh, I've gone for 0-0 with Croatia to go through. To go through. Um, ben and Pete have both gone for 1-0 with Croatia to go through. And Dave has gone for 1-0 with Spain to go through. Um, uh, Dave, you mentioned there, uh, I think you said in the England-Germany game, there's two games in uh, these round of 16 ties that I'm really not looking forward to watch. And uh, immediately came to mind, was it this one you were talking about? Totally, yeah. totally. No interest in watching this, to be honest. I really don't. I just think it's going to be dreadful. Um, because there's there are two guys, there are two sides that they're really good in the midfield, and Croatia always produced wonderful technical footballers. Spain have always produced wonderful technical footballers, but God Almighty. You know, that Croatia side is crying out for a Davor Suker, and that Spain side is crying out for a David Villa right now, and they don't have them. So, you know, I think these games will be really, really cagey. I think more so than anything else, because both teams will probably know that it might only take one goal 
men only take one goal to win it. And I think both teams, and I think this is probably similar to England and England and Germany, where both sides are going to be acutely aware of that, that the first goal probably wins it. And it might go all the way to penalties. So it's going to be a real nip and tuck. Um, I think, you know, Lauren's absolutely spot on. I've been really impressed with Pedri. I don't get to watch as much Spanish football as you used to just because it's not really accessible any longer. Yeah, it's on Sky. Yeah. Yeah. Pedri, you know Jerry but, Armstrong trying to pronounce those I know. Spanish names to the T. And like Revista de la Liga, what a great show oh, that was. No. Scott Mendel was great. He used to do yeah. it, whatever happened to him. Oh, he didn't remember the, remember the Guapa section where they just oh, goals every week. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Wasn't it? Yeah, Bellagay as... turned into a bit of a cabbage, but we'll not talk about I know, that. I know. It was it was it like replaced my my thirst for what Gazetta football Italia used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really fun and he had like that Saturday morning show. And anyway, was I digress. Um Alba's been super. What a footballer, unbelievable. You know, absolutely super. But then they don't have they don't really have right back, another right back on the other side. Mm-hmm. Finally put Aspalagueta in there. It looks a little bit unbalanced. Um and Murata's got his limitations. I think Ericsson, Sven Gorn Ericsson would probably have been happy with him. It would have been a toss-up between him or Heskey, who started for England. If it had been Murata, that's just the sort of player he is. Don't think he's ever going to be lethal in front of goal because I don't think he has the mentality for it. And Gary he Neville just, said he, he struck that penalty like he was apologizing to the ball. Yeah, it's a, do you know what? It I have to give him credit because he makes all the runs in the world. But yes. I all but I also get the feeling that the last place he wants to be is in front of the goal with the football. Yeah. So the fact that he keeps putting himself in those positions to miss those chances, all the respect to the man. It's just a shame he didn't have it in his head to like just think, I'm gonna stick this away. So if it goes to penalties as well, I'd be a bit worried because he, he missed one. Moreno took was already missed in penalties. What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. you, well, you took England on penalties, not even the maddest shout of your predictions. Oh. Yeah, Ferran Torres missed one recently, so you're kind of looking who's left. Busquets will probably hit one. I think Koke missed one recently. Might have. How Torres scored a brilliant one in the Europa League final, yeah. though, albeit he was he tenth taker. <laughs> yeah, so you're you're kind of looking probably him in the port will be. One of the first two up, you'd only be yeah. confident in. So you're like, I don't really know who else is going to hit one here. You said that Mr. Last Five penalties. Last five, yeah. So this, there could be 10 penalties taken and there could be 1 0. Yeah. <laughs> right, I reckon, I reckon that might actually be a load of fun, actually. I, I reckon Croatia should just keep sticking it wide for a laugh, see how long we can make it go on for. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? If they get all the midfielders, they think they'll probably just be able to do like a crossbar challenge. <laughs> Hit the crossbar and say we don't need to score yet. <laughs> I reckon we could all shake hands on that one. Players, fans, officials, everyone. Hundred percent. Um. Okay. Let's leave the next few uh, uh, round of sixteen ties. We're going to talk about them after we have a quiz. So I was briefing these guys uh, before about this quiz. I'm not sure if it's any good. In my head, it's a brilliant quiz, right? It's nothing to do with the Euros. It's all to do with Northern Ireland. We're a Northern Ireland football podcast. So we try to bring a little bit of Northern Ireland into these into these ones. Um. So. If I, uh, let's see. Yeah. So basically what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you the topic. Okay. It's going to be as normal. You're going to take turns in naming each one. This is one where if I was put in the spot with it, I, I would not, I would not be able to do it. In theory, you should be able to name them and name them and name them. But in practice, it's going to be quite difficult. So I'm going to give you a bit of thinking time. I'm going to reveal the question now. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through all of our predictions from groups A to F, 
tally up the scores. I've already tallied up the scores and we'll see who's done the best and who predicted the most teams to go through. And then Lauren, I'll come to you first um, for the quiz. So uh, your topic is players to have scored against Northern Ireland since 2010. Okay, competitive matches only. Um, Carling Nations Cup 2011 doesn't count, right? Okay, we'll forget about that tournament. It was dreadful. Loads of Irish League players playing the Republic of Ireland beat us 5-0. So that doesn't count. But anything else apart from that, so you've got your World Cup qualifying campaigns, your European Championship campaigns, you've got your Nations League, and obviously you've got Euro 2016 as well, right? So as I say, this is fairly difficult. So what I've done is I've put some of the 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 teams there that might give you a hint to... Uh, to, to actually name in some of the players. And I'll bring that back up after I've been through the predictions. So you get 10 from Germany there, three Italy, three Portugal, two Netherlands, one Poland, uh, four Bosnia, six Austria, three Norway, two Slovakia, one Switzerland. Um, there are 65 in total. There's Estonians, there's Luxembourg, there's Russians. There's loads of teams. Like 65 feels a lot. It feels like a lot of goals to be scored against a team in international football in a, in a decade. But you have to remember there was Worthington, there was this current team which seems to ship goals at some rate or not so uh so yeah there's your teams right i'm gonna rattle through the predictions both of them have got the pens out so i'll let them work away and let's have a look at this and uh, yeah i wonder why pete didn't bother coming on this podcast because he for group a predicted turkey first at least second wheels third and switzerland fourth to be it's fair he but came. it's because of the quiz he didn't come on the podcast <laughs> yeah do you know what i actually i messaged him today because i wasn't sure whether to do this and i was like um yeah like is this a good quiz do you reckon it'll be too difficult or whatever um and he was like yeah i, I can't wait to watch it but i'm glad i'm not coming on basically so uh, actually nobody predicted this group right um i was closest i'm fuming i predicted switzerland last but i predicted wheels come second uh but yeah no points for that one for me uh yeah me dave ben lauren all went italy first but a few turkeys in there a lot of people predicted turkey to come for, uh certainly go through and uh, that caught a lot of people out Group B was a little bit better. Dave, Pete, and Ben all correctly predicted that. So uh, ended up Belgium first, Denmark second, Finland third, and Russia fourth. For me and Lauren, we went Russia third and Finland fourth. So we miss out on that one. So three points to Dave, Pete, and Ben. Remember what we're doing was uh, two points for every team you correctly predicted to go through, plus three points for any group you predicted spot on. Uh, so moving on to group C. Uh, which was the Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, Macedonia group, which myself, Ben and Lauren all predicted right. Uh, Dave, you went for Ukraine first, Austria second, Netherlands third. Pete went for Austria first, Netherlands second, Ukraine third. Um, so a couple of surprises went for there. We all got North Macedonia right. I think we all pretty much got everyone to go through in that one as well. Uh, group D was again a list of predictions which were quite variable and uh, ben got that one right ben got four of the six groups right i have no idea how much money he would have made on that if he put a bet on but uh, he's absolutely flying in all of these dave you went for croatia to top the group a lot of people going for scotland to let's be there. honest we all wanted me to be right in this group yeah yeah we were all dave dunning uh for group d weren't we um Ben, credit to him. The only one to project uh, predict the Czech Republic to go through. The rest of us had them bottom of the group. Um, and a few of us had Scotland in our top threes as well. Group E, nobody got this one right either. Uh, well, pretty obviously why. Sweden topped it. Uh, Spain came second. Uh, I feel like me, Dave and Lawrence, you get half a point for at least putting Sweden ahead of Poland because that was a fairly niche prediction at the time. Um, but yeah, obviously Sweden won that one. So nobody got that one right. And the final group... Fair play to Ben for predicting this. France first, Germany second, 
uh, Portugal third, excuse me, and Hungary fourth. Complete wide range of predictions in there. Um, Pete, very Pete there, I think we were all probably right at one stage. Yeah. The way it worked out during these two games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, you know, what? I was actually thinking for a while, uh, like my mad shout could be Hungary finishing ahead of Germany because I thought Germany were going to be even worse than what they ended up being. And like for 80 minutes on Wednesday night there or whatever it was, I was like, why have I not put that in? I would have looked like such a genius. But uh, yeah, Ben's got that one. So here are the scores on the doors. Let me just move our faces up so we can see it. Um, so yeah, 14. Uh, everyone got at least 13 teams to qualify. And um, we all predicted 11, uh, 12 of the same teams to go through. That was France, Portugal, Germany, Spain, England, Croatia, Holland, Austria, Denmark, Belgium, and Italy. So we all got them to go through. We all predicted Poland to go through, which they didn't. Um, I got Ukraine, Sweden, Wales. Dave, you got Ukraine and Sweden. Pete got Ukraine and Wales. Uh, ben got Switzerland, the Czechs, and Sweden. And Lauren, you got Switzerland and Sweden. So yeah, a few of us predicted Scotland to go through. Uh, all four of you, except me, predicted Turkey to go through. I predicted Russia, who didn't. And then we all didn't get Poland. So scores on the doors for the Spirit of 2016 contributors. Ben in front on 40 points, uh, me on 31, and then Lauren, Dave, and Pete all on 29. So for those round of 16 games, it will be two points for the predicting the correct winner and two points for predicting the correct... Or an extra three points, sorry, for predicting the correct score um, after, uh, after 90 minutes. Okay, so let's go back to this quiz. Dave's got his head in his hands. Lauren looks uh, cool, calm, and collected. So, Lauren, uh, let me just actually find a pen for myself so I can scrub these out. Does this work? Yes, it does. Far away. Um, Erling Holland. Erling Holland is correct. Yeah, scores against us in the Nations League last year. Good shout. Dave. Serge Gnabry. Serge Gnabry, indeed. I'll just find him in the plethora of Germans who have scored against us here. Yeah, he gets a hat trick, doesn't he? And that's six one. Now he scores against us. At he Windsor scores Park as well. Windsor Park as well. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I know. Lauren, you're back. Uh, Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is correct. Yes, yeah, scores a hat trick at uh, at Windsor Park. Um, albeit we keep him out in his one hundredth cap, uh, which was uh, a great game. Probably in the end, saves Michael O'Neill's job. Um, okay, Dave, back to you. So can, you see, can you see the screen here of the, the hints and um because I know you're on your phone. So oh I can see, I can yeah. see, I can see all of the information. It's absolutely not helped me at all. <laughs> um right. I want to say Alexander Sorloth, but I'm uh, I'm just gonna say it anyway. Alexander Sorloth. Alexander Sorloth, correct. Scores that trick at Windsor. Yep. That's right, in the five one. Yeah. No confidence in anything, <laughs> anything I'm gonna say. All right, Lauren, back to you. Um Merlin Pjanic. Merlin Pjanic. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? I think that one's wrong, Lauren. I don't have him down here. There were a few Bosnians who uh, who scored against us, but Pjanic wasn't actually wasn't actually one of them. Uh, so, Dave, you can take it. You can take oh, it. I'll do, right, my one absolutely. Abs- I've got a few starts actually. Um, I can't say his first name. <laughs> Milik. Yeah, whatever. Arkadius Ar- 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 Milik is correct. Ar- Arkadius yeah. Milik, I think he's a belter player too. He was yeah, the best player in the pitch to play us that day. He was, because we marked Lewandowski so heavily. Yeah, um, yeah he was so, super. Congratulations, Dave. Uh, Lauren, do you have any other shouts in your head? Maybe we can go on for a wee bit, or were you completely stuck? Yeah, 
I had I had loads, but I, I kind of banked with Pjanic. Was Jacko one of them? Jacko was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Jacko scores a double yeah. in uh, in Bosnia in the Nations League when we play them. Um, yeah. yeah. So Dave, we'll go, we'll go back to you. We'll, we'll keep going on for a bit. You are you have been crowned champion for I think is it the second or third time? I'm not entirely sure. It's only the second. I won't steal okay. one. All right. Um, Luke, Luke de Jong. Luke de Jong is correct. Yeah, scores the final two goals in that 3-1 defeat over in Rotterdam. Absolute Any others, Lauren? Um, that Matt Hummels. Hummels is one of the three people in Germany who haven't scored a goal against us in, since 2010. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Hummels isn't on there. So, uh, Dave, do you want to crack on through? Right. Is Goretzka one of the Germans? Um, Goretzka, yes, he does score. Yep, Goretzka's one. Any others? There is the fullback scored an absolute smasher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I, I this is why I have my head in my hands. I cannot remember his name. Does it begin with L? No. Does it begin with S? No. It begins with well, H. H. It's Hens- Henson Spiner, or there's <laughs> about five syllables in it, Mar- isn't it? Marcel Halstenberg. Yeah. Halstenberg. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Him. That was doing my head in. I'm glad I know that now. Mm-hmm. Any others? Uh, Berardi and Immobile scored, didn't they? Yeah, yeah had Immobile. Yeah. yeah. Um, what does that say? I have Sabitzer. Sabitzer, let's see, let's see, let's see. Where are the Austrians? Um, no, Sabitzer isn't on there. And I have Arnautovic as well. Arnautovic is correct, yeah. I remember um, that. Arnautovic was right. Uh, and doesn't Shakiri score that penalty? No, Ricardo Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, Ricardo Rodriguez. I just remember it being a left booter, and I just assumed it was Shakiri mm. then. Shakiri wins it. Well, wins it in inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. 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 He gets a shot that doesn't hit Corey Evans' arm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm kind of out then. You're going for Bosnians, Austrians, and Slovaks and stuff, and yeah, a couple of random Germans. Well, uh, do, do, do you know the other Italians scored against us in a three-nil win against us in it was like the last game. Of 2012, mad striker. One of these mad strikers you always talks about. He probably didn't have a good record really anywhere. Um, what year? Uh, 2011, I think it was. Goodness. No. No. Uh, Antonio Cassano. Was it Cassano? Yeah, scores a double. <laughs> the little sex go. pest. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. No, not allegedly. There's actually we were talking about podcasts earlier on. There is a Golazzo podcast which goes into the history of all the maddest stuff that's happened in Syria over the years. It's a brilliant listen. Like phone tapping scandals, locking referees and changing rooms, like directors locking referees and changing rooms after games and stuff like that. It's absolutely Mm. bonkers. Give that a listen. Okay. So yes, Cassano. Right, let me rattle through uh, some of the ones you didn't get. So the other two Portuguese were Helder Pastiga and Bruno Alves scores at Windsor Park. Um, the other million Germans, you've got Mario Gomez scores in the Euros against us. Uh, you've Draxler, Kadira, oh, yes. Rudy scores a belter at Windsor Park. Sandro Wagner, Joshua Oh, I remember Kimmich. that one outside of the foot, wasn't it? In the yeah, top corner. Like for first 90 seconds or something. Yeah, Julian Brandt's I... another one. Rudy, I always thought he was rubbish too. I was doing nothing but slating him before the game. He's crap at centre half. And then he blams one into the top corner. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Memphis Depay from Holland. Uh, El Yunusi 
as well from Norway. Some of the more recent ones. Not Never would have got that. Well known. Uh, Krunic scores in the playoff Bosnia. Gregoric scores in the Nations League. The two Slovakians are Kuchka and Juric. Uh, two other Austrians are Schaub and Gerbic. They're the ones that scored against us in the Nations League. And yeah, then there's like loads of mad ones uh, from like Estonia and stuff. Let me see if there's any here which anyone would have heard of. Uh, Thomas Priskin scores for us for Hungary. Oh! Yeah. He's... Was it... No... He was Ipswich and... Some... I thought it was Charlton. Maybe he's in my head. Could well have maybe been. I'm wrong. Could well have been. Uh, you've got um, George Puskas from Romania just in the Nations League as well there. Uh, Lazaro, the Austrian fellow. I've probably heard of him if you if you watch any of the Bundesliga. And Zavar Schläger has been playing in this Euros as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's any others there. Um, there's some, yeah, some mad shouts. Paul Papp, people might remember that the, the right back, he was really crap, scored against us twice uh, in Romania. In the Euro 2016 qualifiers. So, yeah, there was a load of those. There's four Estonians in there. So, if that doesn't tell you... Uh, we're four in... Estonians, that's an absolute disgrace. Yeah, yeah. That's a national outrage. Somebody should have been sacked for that. Oh. Well, I mean, they were. Nigel Wellington. But, yeah, let's not <laughs> talk about him. Um, let's talk about Belgium versus Portugal. Let's do our predictions first, because we're on the screen. Uh, we're on the PowerPoint. So, might as well do it. So, yeah, uh, big range of predictions here. Um, two Portugal wins and three Belgian wins. Uh, so... Myself and Ben have gone for Portugal after a draw after 90 minutes. Uh, Lauren, you've gone for Belgium after a draw after 90 minutes. I think you sent me 2-1 Belgium, so I assume that was one all after 90 minutes and not just a mad extra time. Uh, Dave's gone 3-2 Portugal. Pete's gone 2... Or sorry, Dave's gone 3-2 Belgium, sorry. And Pete's gone 2-1 Belgium. So, so, Dave, you're expecting a mad game here? Goals, goals, goals. Yep. There's got to be. There's got to be. They've both got... Like, the average age of their centre half is about 36 between the two sides. You know, no. worried Santos could Santos sit a wee bit? No, I don't think so, really. You know, I think, yeah, I, I think I have absolutely no idea what to make of Portugal, no idea what to make of them at all. Mm. They limp over the line 3 0 against Hungary. Who's ever limped over line 3 0? Well, Portugal did. Yeah. And then they get smashed by the worst German team in 20 years, 4-2, and they're kicking the ball into their own net, left, right, centre. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and look absolutely brilliant against France, and really they're only undone by a really soft, soft penalty mm. and being like just caught cold at the start of the second half. So I've no idea what to make of them. Belgium, Lukaku's been absolutely outstanding. De Bruyne, you got a lot of accolades. I think he scores those... What is, was it the... Second game, yeah, he said he comes off the bench, sets one up, and I think he scores the other. Yeah, one. you know, I, I think it's it's a joy to watch him play when the ball's being pushed out in front of him, and he's able to run on to it. He's able to bully people. He's so intelligent with his link up play. He's powerful. He's a powerful runner. He's not just fast. He's powerful, mm-hmm. and you know he wasn't being used as that before. He's been basically Mourinho really tried to turn him into DDA Drogba but like four stone heavier. <laughs> so it's nice to see him back at that, back at that unbelievable number nine that can do it all, can drop deep, can run in behind, can hold it up, can lay it off, can score headers, can score from outside the box, can score poachers goals. So yeah, and I don't think they're terribly good at the back. They've got Roberto Martinez as their manager. He's never <laughs> managed to side in his career that has been terribly good at the back. No. So... Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good game. Like, 3-2 Belgium's a toss-up. I just think there'll be a pile of goals, and I think it'll be a load of fun. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, Didier Drogba before Stone Heavier. That's what your dad likes to refer to himself as on the, in the five aside on Wednesday night, I think, um, Lauren. Or, or, or uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Dave's absolutely right. Belgium are a little bit soft, but what they are is fun. And fun is what we want in this year. And fun is what can win new cup competitions. It's what wins Wigan the cup in uh, whenever it was, 20-something. Um, uh, 2013, maybe? I think so. Uh, they get relegated in that season anyway. And um, and they're up against Portugal, who, to be fair, have looked less Portugal this year than they have done in all the years I've been alive, really, in major tournaments. So do you think we're in for a goal fest here? Or do you think it's one of these where, you know, it's quite clearly, well, one of the ties of the round, maybe that or England, Germany. Everyone's expecting like loads of goals and it just ends up boring the life out of us. No, I think just because both of their defences are so poor, like there's bound to be, if not goals, a plenty, chances of plenty um, surrendered. I think it's really going to be one in the midfield because you have the likes of Hazard, um, De Bruyne, Dan Donker, if they need to bring off the bench, Tielemans of Thorgan Hazard. And then you look at Portugal and their midfield's more of a workman-like midfield. But then, yeah, no, you know, have Bruno Fernandes still and Bernardo Silva. And I haven't been that impressed with them in the tournament, but Bernardo Silva for that counter-attack. Um, against Germany, you know, the ball he plays over to Jada. And when you have Jada and Ronaldo up front, you know, their clinical finish, like get in front of goal, which would be the thing that maybe might sway it Portugal's way. But I think Belgium, you know, I predicted it to go to extra time and I see the subs they can bring on if they need actually, you know, as I said, Thorgan Hazard, Yuri Tielemans, Doku, who's an exciting young player He's coming brilliant. up. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll just have too much for Portugal in the end to. They might try and play it safe, but even if they do, you know, if you have Lukaku running at Pepe or even, you know, De Bruyne running at Pepe, like you don't fancy his chances against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even Ruben Diaz has is, is somebody, Dave, who a lot of people have yeah. been. Yeah, a lot of people have been disappointed with him in this tournament. He, he, he wins, the I think he wins PFA Player of the Year. Um, I can't remember. There's about 10 different Player of the Years in the Premier League. I can't keep up with which one the players vote for, but he wins one or two of them anyway. And uh, it's what we always say about, about Pep Guardiola centre-halves. They're so protected with a structured attack and build-up. And when they go and play with their national sides, a lot of the time they come unstuck and they actually have, they're exposed one-on-one and they don't have people holding their hands at all times. And Ruben Diaz looks like that to me. And I don't know, it's, uh, you know, you look at Belgium as being a bit naive and a bit soft, but Portugal aren't particularly good in their own box either. And if, if you know, Belgium with the three centre-halves, if they can kind of, nullify the threat of Ronaldo, then do Portugal have enough, really? Jota hasn't actually impressed me that much in this Euros, to be honest. I really rate him as a player. Uh, Bernardo Silva, Lauren mentions, good ball against uh, Germany, but apart from that, what's he really done? Fernandez has stunk the place out. Uh, Mourinho was on, I think, whatever channel he was, he's doing punditry on the other day, saying they're basically they're, they're playing with, with 10 men and Bruno Fernandez, and he gets dropped for that last game, I think, doesn't he? So... Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a really tough one to call. It's, it's, as we say with a lot of these things, it's 90 minutes or 120 minutes. It can be decided on accidentals, just things tipping in, in, in the balance. It's not necessarily always the best team who, who wins the game or wins the tournament. And it, it, it could be one of those. Yeah, I think both teams have an array of outstanding attacking talent and at the same time are deeply flawed. So for me, that, that can only add up to one thing, which is just fun football yeah do you know they're not they're not great at the back Portugal D- Diaz I don't know I saw a statistic about how many times he'd been, his percentage of times he'd been dribbled pa- dribbled past in the Premier League or something or, or certainly in this tournament and you know 
I think people raved about Otamendi when he went to City the first season, didn't they? And I don't know what happened to him. They couldn't wait to get him out the door. It was Man City fans, you know, prepared to drive him to, I don't know, cross-continent to get rid of him because they were that fed up with him. We've seen City go through centre-halves quicker than... Oh, my wife goes through Amazon orders, honestly. I was going to do a Hancock joke there, but... Uh, no, you know. no, it's <laughs> You missed soon. it. Is it too soon? It's not too soon. <laughs> Definitely not, not too it. soon. What are you on about? No, it's never too soon. Sorry. You're right. You're right. Um, the first time I've apologised for my decorum, I must say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, look. Um, yeah, both, both sides are flawed. Um, I think I think Vitzel makes a massive difference in the Belgian midfield. A huge difference. I think he just knows the game really, really well. Really simply, you see him. He wins the ball back and three yard pass to De Bruyne. Go and do it. Do you know what I'll do? I'll just sit in this area where I think you might lose the ball if you lose it. Yeah. And I'll mop up your mess again. He's a superb footballer, so players, supremely intelligent. Players like that in top teams or top players like that, knowing their limitations is almost like the most important thing, the most important quality you can have in some players. It was like what you, uh, France had with Giroud in 2018. Yeah. It's not even knowing their limitations. It's, it's, it's being disciplined enough to do the specific role that they're supposed to do. And, you know, Wijnaldum's a brilliant example. He's burst into this tournament. He scored three goals. He looks like the, one of the most attacking players, you know, almost like a David Platt's goal-scoring midfielder that just gets in the right place at the right time in the box. But, mm-hmm. you know, he withheld himself at Liverpool um, and maintained that absolute discipline of what his specific job was. And he thought, you know what, this is my job. This is what the managers told me to do. I'm not going to step outside that role. If he wants me to do, if he wants me to step outside that role, he'll tell me to do it. But in the meantime, I'm just going to do this. And I think Vitzel's that sort of player. Invaluable. Fernandinho, same for City with Diaz there. Gives him loads and loads of protection. I just don't necessarily think Portugal have that midfielder in their ranks, which is maybe why they're a little bit leaky. And again, as Ronaldo scored five goals, I do think they're accommodating them. There have been two tap-ins and three penalties. Yeah. You know? So, we'll see. But like I said, I just think it'll be loads of fun. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, good Sunday night, 8 o'clock in Seville. Uh, it'll be a good one to sit down in front of the TV and watch that one. Um, so, moving on. Well, it was a nice segue, actually, Dave. Thanks very much for that. I don't, you didn't, I had no idea we were coming on to talk about Netherlands versus Czechoslovakia. Uh, Czechoslovakia, what am I talking about? Um, I'm 23. What am I talking about? Um, yeah, Netherlands versus Czechia. Uh, so, everyone's gone for a Netherlands win, uh, apart from me. Uh, so, Lauren, you've gone 2-0, Netherlands. Uh, Dave, you've gone 2-1. Ben's gone 3-2, as is Pete. And I've gone for two all, check you to win on penalties uh, or after extra time, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I quite like what the Czechs have. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're a fantastic side. I think they're a team who are fairly effective. Chufal looks good. Um, Suchek obviously bursting forward. And Schick is quite clearly playing above his level. Um, and Netherlands, while they're while they're they're actually a lot better than what I thought they'd be. I think I predicted them to actually flop in this tournament. I predicted them to be my flop. Um, and they've they've got through the group. I, I think they won all three of their games. And without looking entirely convincing, they've got a system that seems to work for them. A lot of debate about that, Lauren, in, in the Netherlands at the moment. I always thought um the 352 was a was like a, a Dutch kind of creation. I thought uh, I actually played that for a little bit, and but they're they're flying planes over training grounds, saying play four three three and all this, and he's stubbornly sticking with three five two. But them Fries and Van Aanholt are getting forward, and they're getting chances, and 
you know, um, the pies even stepping up now. So who knows what they can do on that easy side of the draw. Yeah, I think the three five two really suits them because it allows Alexa Dumfries and Van Aanholt, who maybe aren't the best defensively, just bomb forward. And you know, when you have somebody like Delict in your back three, you know, you're gonna feel secure, especially with Daily Blind as well beside him. And it allows Memphis kind of to push further forward. And you know, at the minute he's like their go to getter. That's his purpose in the team. I haven't been that impressed with him, but you know, he knows how to find the back of that. And you have the likes of Donny Mallon to bring on if maybe you do need to change it a bit if um, the checks are just too stubborn um, and as well you know if you have Frankie De Jong in your midfield you know I think the job for Czechoslovakia Czech Republic <laughs> it now. Czech Republic is the you know see if you were it. on the million pound drop and there were three panels of who would call them Czechoslovakia Andy, Lauren <laughs> and Dave you would put the full million pound on Dave and the two of us have done it yeah <laughs> bizarre <laughs> Um. But yeah, I think, you know, um, Suchak will have a real tough task of, you know, does he try and mark De Jong or does he try and mark Wijnaldum? And, you know, if he try and marks Wijnaldum out of the game, De Jong will just throw the ball through to maybe Memphis or Dumfries coming wide. And then if he tries to stick with, um, you know, De Jong, then Wijnaldum will just bomb forward and have all the space to get on the end of crosses. So I think they might just have enough quality. You know, the Netherlands have kind of gone so far, have been really clinical. Um, I think that's won them their games, especially against you know Ukraine. They're a bit shaky at the back, but they managed to come back. So I think, yeah, it's between them and whoever wins England Germany. Um, I see going far into the tournament just because they're on that side of the draw. Yeah, completely fair. And Dave, uh, I actually, I actually didn't have the time to put everyone's team of the groups up, which I know you'll be annoyed with because I know you put a lot of effort into that, Dave. You were like changing Denmark. I didn't really. You're like, yeah, two players I've never heard of. Yeah, take Paulson out and put Brathwaite in or whatever. Um, but you, He's been good, I'd like him. One, one player you have, uh, one player you, you did have in there, I believe, it was Lauren, uh, Frankie De Jong? Uh, De Jong and Wijnaldum, and I completely yeah. agree with what Lauren says there. Um, I think De Jong and Wijnaldum make, make that team tick. Um, they are a handful. They're going to be a handful for any midfield. Now, I don't think their weaknesses have been exposed as of yet. Um, I think that's due to the sides that we've seen. We've seen them concede goals. We've seen them concede chances. Um, and I almost think like it's it's almost to their benefit that they're not great at the back because teams think they can have a go at them and it, it leaves space in behind and they're so good at exploiting it. When Aldam's appreciation of space is unbelievably good. Um, De Jong has that like Tiago turn, like that Iniesta movement where he he almost ducks under people's arms and stuff when he moves away with the ball. He's fabulous to watch. Um, and not only that, his ability to move the ball and his range of passing is absolutely outstanding. He's just one of the most aesthetically pleasing footballers at the tournament. So, you know, the, it, the three seems to be working. It, it's, it's not necessarily... It's not necessarily the Dutch the Dutch mantra, if you like. It's not the Ajax model. Um, you know, you'd expect to see them less rigid than that. Three at the back is very, I think it was very because they, Didn't they do well with that? Did they play 3-5-2 in 2010 and did really well with it? Under uh, Van Hal? On oh, sorry, under Van Hal, yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah, they did under was. Van Hal, yeah, possibly. They, they did, because that's where like Daily Blint and all made their name. Yeah, but again, it kind of went horribly wrong then, didn't it? 
Um, and I, yeah. Maybe they've been scarred by that, but the Dutch are very proud about their football heritage. They're very proud about the influence that they've had over over the game as a whole. You know, um, Barcelona is 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 a, a Dutch influence club. They you know they, they they can call themselves Catalan all they want, which certainly they are, but their entire identity comes from Cruyff. comes from Cruyff and comes from Renus Mikkelsen. So this this one's gonna be this one's gonna be interesting. Um, but I think Holland. The Netherlands, sorry, I keep doing that. I know it's not like what they like their country to be called, so I'll try and stop that. It's, it's in it's in Amsterdam, which is in Holland. What, I think it's like two regions out of eleven, so I don't know how we've all got this wrong for so long. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so yeah, so look, we'll see, we'll see. But they're, they're, listen, they're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. I'm all about the games being fun. That's yeah. all I want to see. And actually, this has been a really fun tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has. And talking about teams that are fun to watch, two teams that I didn't think would be fun uh, were Wales and Denmark, Lauren, who play each other first game, I think tomorrow, actually, first game, five o'clock. Um, it's a real shame that that's not in um, Copenhagen and Wales weren't given one of the stands. You got out a cracking atmosphere there. It just looked amazing. But it's wherever it is, it's, it, you know, they're, they're two teams who, um, you know, Wales have looked Fairly decent, I think. With with you know Bale and Ramsey, obviously it's 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 lazy, but they are the two that make them tick. Bale plays in Ramsey for three huge chances in that first half of the Turkey game, and the rest of them are pretty functional and work well in that team. And Denmark, who I actually haven't watched them uh, in any of the games for some reason, I've just always been doing something when they've been on. Um, kind of saw a bit of the first half of the game against Finland which they dominated, but Hoiberg's playing a bit more attacking for them, which is interesting because he's been so nullified playing under Mourinho at uh, at Tottenham. So how can you see that one playing out? I think I'm the only one they've gone for a Wales win. You guys are all back in Denmark. Yeah, I think it's quite, they're quite evenly matched. And, um, you know, there's not obviously Bale for Wales, but there's not one real standout player because Ericsson's been taken out for Denmark. So, you know, I think it will be margins decide this game. I think Wales aren't, they don't have the best players defensively, but they've looked really solid and they're a real cohesive side. You know, they're well drilled. Um, even their midfield with the likes of Joe Allen, you know, he sits there, he doesn't advance very forward. He kind of leaves out the Ramsey and be able to go forward. And Kiefer Moore's looked really good. Like just his hold up plays were very good and bringing others in. And Dan James, you know, with his pace, he's really done very well in this tournament so far just direct running you know his end product might not be the best but teams are really scared when he's just running at pace down the line so I think Wales have been decent so far but I think Denmark will just be too strong for them um but it certainly will be an even enough game and I think um I put in my team of the tournament so far Donny Ward because I think he's just been you know obviously Donnarumma and Pickford have kept the clean sheets but you know when he's been tested I think Ward's been really good so I think Wales will be heavily reliant on him as much as they are Bale and Ramsey at the other end Yeah, completely fair we'll, um, Ward has had a had a good tournament and uh, and Dave you're going 3-1 Denmark, you're going fairly comprehensive everyone else has gone a little bit conservative for this one Dave, uh, or sorry Ben's gone Denmark and penalties Pete's gone 1-0 Denmark, I've gone 2-1 Wales but do you think this will be fairly comfortable for Denmark do you think quality maybe will just show I actually think what will happen is Wales will come up against an organised side and I think if Denmark have it in them to nullify the threat, if you nullify Beal, I think you nullify Ramsey by proxy. Um, 
he feeds off Bales. His movement, his late runs in the box, he's brilliant at that. I, I, I rate Ramsey as a footballer. I think he's really, really good. Me too. But he, but he's as good as the service that he gets. You know, his, his timing of his runs into, into the penalty are absolutely superb. Um, but he does need players in and around him when he's on the ball. If they can snuff out Bales' delivery and service to him, I think that's the, that's Wales' only real threat, apart from if they're chucking Kiefer Moore up there. And I kind of get the feeling Denmark centre-halves are going to be able to handle Kiefer Moore, where some of the other sides haven't been able to. Um, and, it, and the other thing is... I. Although they play Ramsey false nine, don't they, against Italy? And it kind of works quite well. So, like, in a tactical game, do you think that's maybe the shout for them? Maybe, maybe. But again, we, I can't, we talked about managers earlier on. We talked about, you know, there's, there's really two managers in this whole tournament that have managed successfully at club level. And and they're, they're at Italy and Spain. And Robert Page, I think he maybe used to play football. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and listen, he's done a great job, but again, they were lucky to get past us in the last tournament. Um, it was an old goal, and I think Chris Coleman came out afterwards and said that the, bet- the better side lost after that match. And I, I think the point again, they go and they they go and they ha- ra- random. You think randomly hammer Belgium, but actually, it's a team that's not that well organized defensively. So. The real quality players can exploit that. And I think if you take Bale and Ramsey and put them in any of those other sides that haven't qualified, it's probably them there instead of Wales. Even, you know, throw them into the Scotland team. Scotland probably get out of that group. So I think Denmark having in them to snuff out that threat. And they just, I, I think feeling the momentum means so much in football. And I just think Denmark have that in abundance at the minute. They've, a really traumatizing event that has seemed to have galvanized the whole group. And I think they're going to feed off that. And I think I saw that relentless energy against Russia in, in the third game. And I really don't expect that to let up against Wales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely fair. Um, yeah. Put Bale and Ramsey into Northern Ireland side. And you probably do see us uh, in the, in the running to qualify for a major tournament. Thanks for Juventus in one place for Real Madrid. It's, it's outrageous. Yeah, maybe just take Cathcart out just to make sure. But yeah, let's have a look at um, these ones here. So we'll, we'll rattle through these. Um, Lauren, I'll come to you um, just on, on France dead quick. Anything other than a, a simple uh, French win here? No, I don't think so. Um, Switzerland, you know, they played well in their final group game, but they're just born. And I think even if they sit back, France have enough quality just to yeah. hurt them apart. So I think it's just a routine French victory. And if not, then, wow, what a surprise. Surprising yeah. tournament. <laughs> and not, not a very nice surprise, really. It's not no. really an a, a underdog, underdog story you can really get behind. Certainly not as, as Northern Ireland fans. Uh, Dave, uh, sorry, I'll just go through our predictions there quick for that. Um, all four of us, apart from Ben, have gone 2-0 to France. Ben's gone 3-0 to France. So hardly any variation there. Probably won't be the best game to watch Monday at o'clock in Bucharest. Uh, Dave, a bit of a funny one in this one, because uh, you had a couple of bottles of wine last night and talked yourself into Sweden getting to the final to the extent to which you put a fiver on it. Uh, a couple of bottles of wine. <laughs> did you regret that this morning, or are you sticking with your guns? Listen, there's logic applied to this. There's logic. There is logic here. And I need, you to, I need you to bear with me. The seven points, seven points from their from their group. Mm-hmm. Um, is that they where the logic ends, is it? They could, no, they couldn't nick a win against Spain, let's be honest. 
Yeah. And they should probably beat Spain because Marcus Berg misses an unbelievable mm-hmm. chance from like literally where Raheem Sterling scores mm-hmm. against uh, whoever that last team they played was for yeah. the Czechs. Yeah. And Forsberg stepped up. Looks like a real super player. He, we always knew he's a good player, but he seems mm-hmm. to just have elevated himself. Isaac looks exciting. Um, and then good. really good. And then the boy Kulisewski, who's at Juventus, comes on in the last game, the, the winger. And I think I said this the other I was looking at him going, he's not a Swedish footballer. He's not slow and massive and like, <laughs> you know, runs around like he's put in a cart and just. Yeah, he's not Hodgson influenced. Absolutely not. They brought him on and what a, like, what a difference. So, like, what a wild card option to bring off the bench. Um, and they're good at the back. I think uh, Danielson has had, had a great tournament. Mm. Um, they're well organized. And listen, I think something that goes, it's probably not talked about enough in football, but they're a big, strong side. They're a big, strong, physical, powerful side, and they'll intimidate teams. And teams like that can go a long way in tournaments. I, I remember, and again, I'm showing me age here. I remember Sweden getting to the semi final of a World Cup um, in '94, I think. And they were great and they were loads of fun and they had a belter kit as well. Um, it was like yellow with a big blue cross over the front of it. It was outstanding. So they play Ukraine. I think they can beat Ukraine. It's Germany, England in the next round. After that, I think if they fumble themselves through that, they find themselves in the semi final. You just don't know. But well organized, well drilled side that actually have, and I think this is the thing about this Sweden side, they have a legitimate goal threat up there. Mm-hmm. So I think there is an outside chance. Listen, Greece went one at one year, playing loads worse football than what Sweden are playing this year. Equally as organized. So I think they could easily find themselves, they'll find themselves in the quarters. I'd say there's a chance they could find themselves in the semis and you just don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if, if, talking about the Hodgson influence in Sweden, if anyone hasn't seen the video on YouTube of Roy Hodgson speaking Swedish, go and watch it. You will not regret it. It's the funniest thing. You can just listen to it, and it sounds so Hodgson. It doesn't even sound like he's speaking another language. I, I think Swedish is actually more suited to his speech. I think I heard uh, Lars Siverson talking one time on the Guardian podcast, and he said it was, it was kind of like, an amalgamation of a number of different Scandinavian languages all put together because he couldn't quite tell one from the other. <laughs> so it did so it didn't really make a wild lot of sense what he was saying. <laughs> Just like a mix of Danish and Norwegian and Swedish and whatever else. So well, yeah. That's probably least, why it sounded the way it did. At least in rugby when they do those code things for the lineouts, at least they knew exactly what all the other Scandinavian nations were saying against them. So uh, maybe that's why they did so well. Uh, but me, myself and Lauren, both going for Ukraine wins. Me 2-1, Lauren 1-0. Uh, Dave, Ben, both going 2-1 Sweden and Pete going 1-0 to Sweden. So before we wrap up, guys, um, it's the, yeah, in fantasy now we have a wild card in between the group stages and the round of 16, which means you can make as many changes to your team as you like, as long as you stay within the budget, which is now 105 million, you have an extra 5 million to spend. And you're also not restricted to three players. You can have four players per team now. That rises to five, I think, for the quarters. And then six in the semis and maybe even eight for the finals or something mad. Um, but yeah, we've unlimited transfers. So this is an interesting one. Uh, let's just skip through all the predictions. Uh, Lauren, this is... No, Dave, it's your team, isn't it? 
Um, who sent me the Who sent me the desktop? No, it, it's no, this isn't my team. You don't have. Yeah, you you wouldn't have sent me one on your desktop. You wouldn't have known how to do it. So, Lauren, yeah, <laughs> let's all look at this. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just uh, go through it first for the people listening to the podcast. Obviously, you can't see the uh, the graphic. Nothing hurts. This is great. She's a wee stadium and all. It's builder. I know. <laughs> Fair play. Um, so Casper Schmeichel, Benucci, Spinazzola, who you've captained for the first week, um, or for the first day. Obviously, you can change that afterwards. I think you got onto that late, Lauren. I was having a look at your team. Uh, yeah. You weren't onto the captaincy diddle right at the start, were you? Um, no. Laporte and Pau Torres, so you're you're doubling up with the Spanish defender and Dumfries. Uh, in midfield, you've Locatelli and Wijnaldum, and you've also got Yarmolenko, Jota, and Sarabria. And then up front, you have got Depay, Lukaku, and Immobile. So back in your four Italians there, you've got a wild card in hand. You said you were you were thinking about how you were going to play that. Um, you'd seen, obviously, done your research and thought it was best to do it in the quarterfinals. Um, so. Obviously, not too worried about who's going through and potential knock-on impact in that because you can make another wild card for the next round. But yeah, talk me through some of your picks there. Yeah, I've kind of backed everybody getting a clean sheet and tried to pick the nicer side of the draw. So when it comes to it, um, less players eliminated, and I think you have to go with Italy and Holland, sorry, the Netherlands, um, just for their two games. And then at the back, I think Laporte and Torres are kind of a threat from a set pace, but also I see them keeping a clean sheet against Croatia. Are you worried um, at all about Torres Garcia thing? Garcia starts obviously the game. Yeah, I don't know because I I just think I'm right. I'm like Paul Torres is the better defender, so he'll play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is my take on it. So I'm hoping he comes back in. Um, if not, I might just have to go back to a four three three and put Sarabi in because I assume he's going to play. So I kind of I've left it in the balance. Um, to see what Spain kind of do. And then, yeah, Yarmolenko's in there just in case. Uh, might put him in and then take him back out again, depending on how the other games go. So I'm pretty excited. Midfield, I'm fighting hard. Because like, you just don't know, apart from Wijnaldum. I have Locatelli in there, but who's really the goal scoring midfielder so far? It's not really worked out that well. I'm really struggling there. So Jada's there as well, just in case. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of how you've got the Austrian keeper on your bench. He plays on the first day, but you've so little faith in him that you're not even going to give him a chance. Um, no. <laughs> although, so you've got Kasper Schmeichel, who plays on the first day as well, I suppose. Um, so that actually does make sense. I'm talking nonsense, right? Uh, that is Dave's team. Uh, so Dave, let's have a look at what you've gone for. So you've got Donnarumma, um, Di Lorenzo. You also have both chips left, so you can you can obviously make changes um, going forward now. Uh, I, was through, I was through ignorance rather than strategy, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, Di Lorenzo, Dumfries, Kier, uh, Danielson and Pau Torres at the back. You have Hoiberg, Wijnaldum, De Bruyne, Forsberg and Berardi, Mbappe, Lukaku, Immobile. That's a terrifying uh, front eight, I guess. Oh, terrifying. Mbappe. Mbappe can do nothing. <laughs> Absolutely useless. <laughs> Yeah, you were getting very frustrated with him there. Um, Extremely so, frustrated, so, so, yeah. honestly. So uh, talk me through a bit of that. I mean, you, you, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your team there, and I'm, I'm a bit, I'm actually a bit jealous. I'm trying to work out how you've. Uh, I'm, I'm going to add them up, make sure that's 105 million. Looks good. Um, I suppose what I've, I've tried to take the emotion out of it. I was just picking players that I just really liked, like cases. Cases only just come out now, and he's hard to kick the ball. Um. And then the emotion came back into it again because I thought probably sensible to put Pogba in there. But I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Mm-hmm. Because I hate Man United and I hate Paul Pogba and I think he's the most overrated player that's ever walked the planet. 
So <laughs> I really struggled with this, to be honest. Um, yeah, going heavy in on Sweden, going heavy in on Italy. Um, I think I've stuck Wijnaldum in there, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah, I just think he's great. I just think he's great. And I think he'll score goals. So nice I've tried to look as well. Yeah, and I think with, with the wild card coming up, I've tried to look at the fixers where I think there's going to be goals. So I've kind of looked at France. I've kind of looked at Belgium. I've kind of looked at Italy going to smash Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, Holland going to smash the Czechs, hopefully. And, um, you know, I do kind of, I, I might change that because I kind of feel like Lauren's on to something with, you get more clean sheets than goals, really, if you're talking yes. about players. You know, there's five players there, maybe six players that can get a clean sheet as a defender, where there's maybe only two or three players want to score a goal. Mm-hmm. So that captaincy might just switch its way to the to someone at the back. Maybe yeah. just Gigi gets it. Maybe just the goalkeeper gets it. And that's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm going. Um, all in on Sweden. Sweden-Italy final. It's happening. <laughs> People, you heard it here first. Okay, uh, let's have a, a quick look at my team then. So uh, yeah, I have got yeah basically what you what you were saying there, Dave. Back in the the collegiate. I think this is a horrible round of fixtures to pick a fantasy team from. There's no like guaranteed nailed on um, win for any team. Like even even I'm I backed it because I think they're the most likely to get a clean sheet against Austria. But it wouldn't surprise me if that ends three one or something like that two one. Um, wouldn't shock me if, if Austria got a goal. So I've gone Donnarumma, Benucci, Spinazzola. Um, my other defenders have Dumfries and Stecklenberg if I need him to come in. Um, not even necessarily convinced they're going to get a clean sheet in that one either. Uh, Mela against Wales. So him and Bale kind of maybe cancel each other out. Whoever doesn't do well, hopefully, you know, if Denmark don't keep a clean sheet, Bale will have scored. If Bale doesn't do anything, Denmark will keep a clean sheet. That's my thinking there. And that kid Gavardio looks brilliant for the for Croatia. I don't know if you guys have, have not have picked up on that. The left back, he's uh, he's he's really young. Has he been picked up by Leipzig or is he at Leipzig right now? He looks really good, and a lot of people. He made his debut in the first game, did he? That's right. Yeah, or he played some like forty five minutes before that, um, and that was it because uh, everyone was expecting Barisic to come in. He's he's had a great season at Rangers. Um, him and Tavernier have kind of been. A big part of what Barisic gives you great set piece delivery too. So you yeah. assume that that would be another reason to get him in the side. And I think Vardyol is. Um, I think he got injured in the last game, but I've I've been frantically searching his name over the last couple of days on Twitter, and I'm I'm assured by what I'm sure is some really reliable Croatian outlets that he is going to be fit. Uh, I've got Wijnaldum, De Bruyne, Holles, um is apparently a defensive midfielder, but he wears number nine, which feels like a crime against humanity but whatever he's in my team maybe he'll play up front uh, Berardi as well and then Ronaldo Mbappe and Yaremchuk so that's where I've kind of uh, made a bit of money there I, I, I do fancy Ukraine maybe to get a goal and he's impressed me I think he gets a goal and assist against the Dutch in that first game looked good against Northern Ireland scores loads of goals at club level albeit in the Belgian league um, and yeah maybe he can come in six and a half million or whatever he is and, and get me a cheeky wee goal there just to boost the points. So that's what we're going for. Um, loads of football to be played. So before we wrap it up, uh, give me a, a final day. I, I mean, give me yeah, one team from either side of the draw. Yeah, which is just a final. I don't, I don't know why I'm trying to um, make that question more interesting. Know, yeah. are, are you actually saying at least Sweden or what? Are you, like, genuinely, if you were to put your, if you were to put something more than a fiver on it, like what would you go for? Do you think Italy will beat France in the semis? I think Italy can beat France. Mm-hmm. I think, 
I think a lot of what good comes from France comes from, loads to say this, comes from Pogba in the middle of the park. And it comes from Griezmann playing it like right back and left back and doing all this mad stuff. And to me, the fact that Griezmann's such a free role tells me that they don't have as much structure as they would like. I think their fullbacks are limited in attacking areas. And I think that that Italy midfield could gobble up Pogba. Kante's brilliant, but he can't do it all by himself. So I would say Italy, I think the thing about Italy is they don't rely on individual players to go and win a game for them, where I think a lot of these other sides do. So, um, and I think they've got the better chances off the bench as well, Italy. Um, they've got more variety off the bench. So yeah, I think Italy can get to the final. Genuinely, if I'm looking at the other side of the draw, if I, who, if I, who are the side that are best in both spots? best in both boxes it, it actually might be Sweden mm. it might be but I'd say maybe toss up Sweden Holland I don't see England Germany getting past do you know what I hardly see them getting past each other they're that bad but um, certainly getting past the quarterfinals yeah fair enough Lauren what do you think final who's your money on um, I'm going at Lee Netherlands yeah okay. I think they'll be stronger than England or Germany, and I don't see Spain really troubling past the quarterfinal stage. So mm-hmm. I definitely think the Netherlands, by the generous side of the draw they're on in Italy, I think they've, I've, even though I was sitting on the fence earlier, the more I think about it, the more I think they probably get past France. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go for France against Germany in the final. I think, yeah, I think Holland will probably scrape well. No, I've, I predicted Czechs to win, didn't I? So, um, yeah, so whoever wins that England-Germany um, game, it looks fairly open for them. You never know, like Wales, if they get past Denmark, who do they play? Netherlands or the Czechs? It wouldn't shock me if Wales went and, and, and went on another mad run. Um, so what final knows? do you want? Um, I want Italy against... Yeah, well, I mean, is it unrealistic to say Wales? I think Italy Wales would be a hilarious final, loads of crack. Where is the final? London. So you get, yeah, loads, Wembley, of, you get yeah. loads of Wales fans down, and I think there's what sixty thousand or something in. So yeah, that would be good. You've obviously got the Italians and the romance around that story, and and the national play. anthem. And to the hear national one anthem. last time. And you get both, last and both probably the both the best national anthems in the tournament. Italy and Wales. We are, so we, we saw we saw it the other night. It's great. Yeah, it was great. Um. So, yeah, Italy England would be fun though. I'd love to it see. I, I'd love to see Italy smash England in the final with four yeah. 0 yeah. To the way that with the way Spain smashed them and yeah, the, the last European Championships wasn't it? No, it wasn't. No, it was the one before that. Yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve. Oh, that's right. How, how the years have just flown by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Right, I'll, I'll go France. Oh, Lawrence away, but it's okay because we. Uh, we don't actually, we're, I'm not actually going to go to anyone else. I'm going to wrap up the podcast right now. So thank you very much to Lauren McCann. Uh, thank you very much to Dave Dunning. That has been your uh, group stage roundup and round of 16 preview. We'll be back at some point next week or next weekend. We'll be reviewing something, quarterfinals. Oh, Lauren wants back in. I'm coming for a chat after. But yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. Nice one to you both for coming on. Thanks to everyone who's listening to Facebook Live. Hopefully you guys got to hear the nice little group, cha- uh, group stage chat before I remember to press the record button. But if not... There's your, uh, there's your preview for the round of 16 anyway. So nice one. See you next time. Bye-bye.